Uh, my name is Ray Montgomery. I'd like to welcome you to the Navigating Blindness podcast. And on today's show, we have a special guest host, chair of the Bobman Enterprises Board, Mr. Matt Hasbrook. How you doing, Matt? I'm doing wonderful, Ray. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I love what you're doing for, for the Bosma family and, and all the blind and visually impaired communities. So thanks for having me. We have no some problem. more special guests too. No problem. We And we also, you also have a few other special guests today that's going to be giving us a lot of great information about the end of the year and those tax uh, benefits that come along with end of, end of the year contributions. So yeah, I'm sure. Go, go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to you and so you can go ahead and introduce our panel today. Sure. So on your, um, we have Mr. John Weingard. He is a CPA, has been in the industry for 30 plus years and is an expert in tax planning, um, estate planning, et cetera. He also sits on the board of the, or on the city county council for the city of Fishers. Uh, we have Miss Arveta Jadanwa. She is our executive director of the Bosma Visionary Opportunities Foundation a close colleague and friend. Uh, and we have Mr. Pete Amy. Pete is the founder and principal of Argos Financial Group, a certified financial planner, um, it, in, accredited investment fiduciary, MBA, and also um, financial expert, been in the industry for 25 plus years, helping many people with their uh, financial affairs and estate planning as well. So. Um, with that, I'd like, Arveta, if you don't mind, could you share a little bit about Bosma Visionary Opportunities and Foundation and Bosma Enterprises? Thank you so much for having me today, Matt. I'm sure I'd be happy to share uh, information about uh, Bosma Enterprises and also Bosma Visionary Opportunities Foundation. Uh, so Bosma Enterprises um, is a nonprofit organization uh, whose mission is to create opportunities for people who are blind or visually impaired. And we are a statewide organization. And we do that uh, in a number of ways. We meet our mission in, in primarily two ways, uh, primarily through providing employment for people who are blind. Um, people who are blind, they do face a 62% unemployment rate here in Indiana. So we are happy to contribute to decreasing that un unemployment rate, but there's still a lot of work to be done as you're well aware in the blindness community. So that is one of our tenets as an organization. And then second of all, we also provide comprehensive vision rehabilitation programs for people who are blindly, uh, who are newly blinded. Um, so those programs are implemented um, right here in Indianapolis on the Northwest side of town. I mean, at our Center for Visionary Solutions for the Blind. Um, so we take individuals through a variety of skills to increase their levels um, in understanding how to navigate life um, without vision, with little to no vision. Uh, so that is some of the things that we do. Um, we take them through a comprehensive program that teaches them to do things as simple as pulling a chair in and out to advanced skills such as using accessible technology or learning how to use a computer or iPad. Uh, so those are some of the things that we do as an organization. The foundation is the supporting arm for Bosma Enterprises. So it is a separate entity, but its sole purpose established in 2009 is to raise funds to support our comprehensive vision rehab programs I just, just described. 
Um, so the foundation is really focused squarely on raising philanthropic support um, through individuals, um, general individuals, through corporate um, supporters, foundations, um, and just a variety of sources in order to meet our goal as a foundation. And I'm really excited to share that this is an exciting time for the foundation right now. Um, we are embarking on a major fundraising push um, to really raise significant funds for the foundation over the next four years. So we're looking to raise $7.3 million over the next four years to support the more than 160,000 Hoosiers uh, statewide uh, here in Indiana. So that is our focus. And I, I'll share more as time goes on. Awesome. Thank, thank you, Arvetta. It's, uh, you know, the, the capital campaign couldn't have come at a worse time with the pandemic, but it's a necessary evil because uh, we have a $3 million burn rate for our programs and rehabilitation services. And, and that is, you know, helping people to regain their independence. And, and you kind of, if you, if you're sighted, you, you may take it, take for granted, um, you know, the things that you're able to do and, and, how difficult it may be if you are to lose uh, a portion of your eyesight or all of your eyesight. So, you know, we help more than 800 families across the state, and then we employ another 220 and provide them opportunities for uh, work and to provide for their families. So uh, over a thousand families are affected by the Bosma community. We're trying to increase that number uh, and we're trying to stabilize the business <clears throat> to be able to serve more people. There's a backlog of six months of, of getting people into the rehab facility. So we really need, we really need to uh, focus on, you know, building that uh, endowment to be able to permanently fund these programs and services that so many people need. So um, with that, I'll, st I'll pause and talk about one kind of cool thing that Bosma has going right now with the pandemic. So, uh, you know, we serve the VA hospital system. We provide PPE for the VA hospital system. And so our frontline workers are now protecting those who have protected us in the past. And to, you know, that how it's kind of gone around full circle and how everybody at Bosma Enterprises is now kind of protecting those who have protected us and, and the life, liberty and pursuit of happiness that, that our vets have sacrificed uh, so that we may live freely is now kind of gone full circle. And so all of the employees at Bosman Enterprises should feel proud uh, when they show up to work every day, knowing that, you know, while it's a small part, but, you know, exam gloves and surgical gloves and PPE equipment in a silent and infectious war is, is truly the front line. So we are so appreciative of all the Bosman employees and every, all the great work that they're doing. So um, with that, that's enough about Bosnia. Let's get into some of the content that we'd like to provide to you. So um, with that, John and Pete, I would like if you guys could just give a, um, a quick, you know, minute bio on your experience and your history um, so that people can understand, you know, the, the expertise that you guys um, have to share. John? Sure. Um, so my bio, I'm, I've been a CPA for over 30 years, started out with a national CPA from just specialized mostly in small business and income tax and and also high net worth individuals. So spent a lot of time really helping folks uh, transfer wealth, accumulate wealth, 
and uh, you know help them meet their goals and objectives from from that perspective, which does include a lot of what you know kind of really hits home with you all. That's, uh, you know charitable gifts and how to do it and what are some effective ways to do it only from an income tax perspective, but also from an estate tax perspective. Excellent, excellent. And Pete. Yeah, so again, uh, thank you for asking me to be involved with this today. BOSM is a wonderful uh, organization um, as I've gotten to know it uh, better recently. I've been very impressed with your mission, uh, your deliverable, and certainly the leadership. So uh, those who have met the leadership at BOSMA, um, I'm, I'm sure is equally impressed as I am. Uh, a little bit about myself. I've been um, a financial planner, a certified financial planner now for uh, over 28 years. Yeah, over 28 years. And uh, much like John, uh, I kind of parallel similar to um, um, his client base where I work with a lot of uh, business owners and businesses, uh, work with a lot of uh, individuals and successful individuals, uh, helping them um, meet their financial goals. Um, we do that uh, through financial planning, of course, but we also spend much of our time on uh, wealth management uh, we do some estate planning, and we also work in um, the uh, retirement plan uh, space also uh, with those business owners, helping their uh, businesses and their employees meet their financial needs. Um, I Excellent. Also, I also have some background in politics uh, going back um, over 30 years, and so um, that's a bit of a hobby of mine. So looking forward to the discussion today. Yeah, and I think that's important because we are we do want to discuss the political landscape uh, a little bit. So, but before we get into the meat of the content, I do want to just do a, a quick disclaimer. Uh, the following um, is not meant to be construed as tax or financial advice. Uh, consult your personal tax accountant or financial advisor for your own uh, tax and, and financial advice that is uh, appropriate for you. Also, the views represented here are of each individual and not the views of Bosma Enterprises. So uh, with that, I'd like to get going into, you know, a 20-minute uh, segment or so on some of the best ideas to um, navigate the, the murky political landscape that we have and how to, you know, make your estate and your year-end as tax-efficient as possible. So uh, let's get started and maybe ask both John and Pete to share um, what, how they view the political landscape and, you know, what, what are some of the proposed um, tax changes? And then, you know, the second part of the segment, we can get into the two or three best ideas. So maybe, John, how do you see uh, what's going on with the political landscape? And, you know, what do you think the probability, probable outcome is? Um, as we sit today. Well, certainly, um, I mean, I, I don't have the depth of comment extensively on the political side, but let, let me dive into the tax side, kind of where we see things headed from that perspective is, um, I don't think income, personal income tax rates are gonna be any lower than they are right now today. Um, so you look out at, uh, you know, whatever happens in 2021 from a political perspective, um, it, it seems apparent that we're gonna have a new administration in January, you know, we have Congress is already aligned with uh, the president-elect as far as from a party perspective. You know, obviously, we'll see what the Senate turns out to be with a couple runoff elections in January. You know, from my standpoint, from a political perspective, you know, it would be good to to kind of have a little check and balance, have the Senate remain 
as it's currently, you know, kind of formulated as, as a Republican controlled Senate to kind of give a, a, you know, a little bit of check and balance there to make sure, you know, things don't get, you know, too far moved, moved, removed from a tax perspective. So um, again, at a macro level, that's kind of where I see things from, from my world, from an income tax perspective. Um, and if I can jump into some things, you know, uh, you know, with currently with the CARES Act that was passed in March, there are some charitable contribution ramifications that, you know, all taxpayers need to consider. Number one, you didn't have to take your RMD out of your individual retirement account this year. You didn't have to take your, your you know, which means they weren't making their charitable uh, RMD deduction to their charitable organizations either this year. So that was, that was something that, that occurred. Secondly, they, they eliminated the AGI limitation for charitable contributions if you itemize on your tax return, which is great for charitable organizations. Uh, then there's another one, if you don't itemize, there's a standard deduction, there's additional $300 that you can give to charity in, two, in 2020 and still get the standard deduction on top of that. So those are just some things that are just sitting there right now today that we can take advantage of as taxpayers to consider uh, with our charitable giving. So, uh, um, John, I'd like to come back to that because that went over my head a little bit. So it may have gone over our viewers head too. So I want to go back to that. Uh, but let's, let's set the table a little bit further and get some insight from a, uh, 30 year political, um, affiliate. I don't know what to call you. You're not a politician, but you've been involved in politics. So you understand politics at the local state and federal level very well. Uh, so Pete, what do you think, how do you think this plays out uh, in Washington and, you know, how does that affect the markets and, you know, what are some things that people could be thinking of um, to be thinking of now before year end? Um, so go ahead, Pete. Uh, yeah, so I don't have any breaking news here today. Um, in my opinion, um, I think the election, um, I think we know who the winner of the presidential election is. Um, I don't think we're going to see a big change there. Um, I think Biden's going to be president. Um, and again, um, I'm not uh, giving any personal um, preferences or anything in that statement. I'm just saying that it sure looks like um, Biden's going to be president. So uh, my clients are planning on that. Um, the House will remain Democratic, even though uh, the Democratic lead in the House was uh, cut a little bit as the Republicans picked up some seats uh, net after um, during the election. And then on the Senate side, um, as we're all aware, uh, the Georgia uh, Senate runoff um, with uh, two seats there, January 5th. Um, I think all eyes are on that right now because as it currently sits, Republicans control the Senate. Um, and um, if uh, the Democrats were to uh, win both those seats, uh, that would take them to a 50-50 split with the vice president then casting the uh, tiebreaker vote. Otherwise, if they don't pick up both the seats and Republicans keep one or both seats, then Republicans should remain in the majority as long as they can keep their caucus together. And uh, then we would have uh, the check and balance that John uh, talked about earlier, which um, the markets uh, generally like. Um, the markets and the economy historically has done better under a uh, split government, if you will, um, a split Congress or a split between Congress and the presidency. So um, we, we, we're, we're, we're kind of looking at that. Uh, the odds are, as it sits today, that Republicans would at least keep one uh, for a number of different reasons. But um, 
you know, this has been an unprecedented year. I think we've used the word unprecedented in this unprecedented year and unprecedented amount of times. So um, anything can happen um, here in a month. We're going to know better. Uh, but certainly um, all eyes are on that in terms of, um, again, the markets. The markets have rebounded very nicely from the uh, March lows where we dropped about 32% on the major U.S. stock indexes. We've rebounded uh, much quicker and much more than I think anybody would have thought. Um, and so going into year end, a lot of people are sitting on appreciated stock. And so regardless of what happens next year, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to know for sure, but um, that appreciated stock uh, lends itself to um, um, an opportunity to uh, gift to uh, for charitable purposes. So people should take a look at that, whether it be through a donor advice fund or charitable major trust. But um, as we look into next year, uh, we also take into uh, account all the stimulus that's happened this year and unprecedented, I mean, truly an, an immense amount of stimulus, uh, numbers that we never thought possible. Uh, many, many, many trillions of dollars on the fiscal and the monetary side, uh, whether it be through the Fed or through Congress. So. Um, and, and they're talking about another one, which they're getting much closer on now, even though it's smaller than what they originally started. They're still talking close to a trillion dollars. And then uh, there's talk of once uh, Biden would be sworn in another round of, of different types of stimulus. So um, the system is certainly going to be flush with cash for a while, um, which lifts all assets. Um, so as that happens, again, asset values go up and that affords people um, uh, the uh, potential to uh, increase their net worth and provides more planning opportunities uh, from an individual standpoint and a charitable standpoint. So thank you, Pete. That's a wonderful landscape. There have been some political pundits that say that there's a 75% probability of a split Senate runoff uh, and a 25% give or take probability of a uh, Democratic winning both uh, seats in Georgia, uh, which would the Senate would be split, and then Kamala Harris would have the uh, the you know the differentiating vote. So, uh, do you agree with those probabilities? And then let's after that let's talk about the probability of tax rates going up to pay for all of this stimulus, and what you think the probability of that is over the long term. So, um, do you agree with those probabilities of the potential outcomes? Um, yeah, I think they're probably pretty close. I, I haven't done any probability um, statistics calculations myself, but those, those seem reasonable. Um, obviously, if we have the uh, split Congress, um, that check and balance, um, they need to work together to um, uh, pass legislation, which means we're not going to see anything drastic one way or the other. Uh, leaning one way or the other. So that's good. The uh, markets uh, like status quo. They also uh, do not like uncertainty. Uh, so um, drastic changes, um, sometimes the market can react negatively. Um, if one party controls all of government, um, then I think that the, um, uh, the conventional wisdom is that taxes would go up. That's because that's been the platform. Uh, whether you agree with that um, um, from your own political philosophy or not, um, that's, that's been the platform. And so if taxes go up, that certainly changes um, the planning discussion uh, that John and I would have with our clients. 
Yeah, John, how do you feel about those probabilities? And yeah, I again, I, I haven't done any real analysis on this, but I would tend to agree. I mean, uh, certainly, if um, you know, if we do have one branch of government that stays Republican or Democrat, there will be again that check and balance, and the. I won't see, we won't see a lot of dramatic changes from on the income tax side. You know, what I've heard out there is, you know, maybe they may do something with respect to the state and local income tax deduction increasing because it's capped right now at $10,000. That may be something that floats out there. Will rates change? Again, if, 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 it's, if there's still a, two parties that are you know, on both sides, I think we'll see not a lot there, but again, if you've got all three uh, branches of government of the same party, you're going to see some tax legislation, I would think, and it's not going to, taxes aren't going to go down. And uh, even the, the longer worth, I mean, with all the debt we're layering, layering on our nation's books right now, at some point, we're going to have to pay for that. And uh, there's only, I guess you only see one avenue to pay for that. Unfortunately, it's probably going to see tax rates go up at some point in time. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that. And so the um, so I think it's it's kind of generally um, generally agreed upon that taxes are going to be going up in the future and uh, that it, with a split Congress, that any new tax policies are not going to be affected immediately unless there is a blue wave, which has a lower probability than a split Congress. So I think that kind of sets the table for where we think taxes are gonna be. Uh, let's get into some, uh, some specifics about um, some of the Biden tax policies and what those may be and what we think might be able to get through Congress. Uh, and then let's talk about two, two or three best ideas that you can, if you can do now in 2020 before year end to you know, solidify your estate or your income tax to, to make sure that you're you know, paying your fair share but minimizing the, uh, you're not paying any more, more than your fair share of taxes. Sure, I can kind of jump on just a couple of things I alluded to a little while ago and under the CARES Act, there's been some changes with respect to uh, the first one, kind of a major one of, if, uh, if you have an individual who wants to do a significant cash donation, there is no adjusted gross income limitation. Typically, it's been 60% for cash contributions. In 2020, that cap has been limited. You could, if you have $100,000 of AGI, you, in theory, could donate $100,000 and have it totally deductible on your tax return for 2020 if you so choose. Uh, secondly, if you don't itemize, um, you know, and you get the standard deduction, you can contribute up to $300 over $300 and have that $300 an additional tax deduction on your tax return. Not that impactful for most folks, but it's just something out there. If you got the standard deduction, you might want to take advantage of. Um, hey, that's that's huge. That's huge for, for our listeners that may not be in the, the ultra high net worth space that still want to, you know, support the mission. So um, I'm glad you mentioned that, John. Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, we everyone wants to, wants to give and it's a great way, you know, for folks to you know, do something meaningful um, uh, to, to the organization. So, uh, you know, when you look at this and you look at income tax planning, and you look at estate planning, you know, roughly we, you know, we have what, about $11.4 million that you can give away and not pay any, uh, any gift tax on. 
there, you know, there's some things out there that are still classical estate planning tools uh, and income tax planning tools that are out there that are going to be there regardless of what Biden or what a Biden tax law would be or what a, but there's still some things out there currently that still work very well that Pete and I've worked on together on mutual clients. It's, it's worked tremendously well. You know, the first one is, is a donor advised fund. And the second, from a charitable perspective, uh, from a state planning standpoint, uh, even looking at a charitable remainder trust, those are two things I think are just classic estate planning tools, classic income tax planning tools that are not exotic, that are very, uh, you know, but are very efficient at ways of, of getting some wealth to, to, to charitable organizations. Hey, John, what's the different, what's the key difference between a donor advised fund and a charitable remainder trust for our viewers? Sure. A donor advised fund, in essence, and, and Pete, you know, feel free to jump in because we, we worked on these together as a team, is where you put uh, appreciated securities into a fund uh, to ultimately give those to charity at some point down the road, but you get a tax deduction for the fair market value of those securities. So you enjoy the appreciation as a tax deduction on your individual return. Okay. Uh, so if you have a big tax problem, if you have a big tax liability staring you down, that's a good, good, uh, a good tool. And it's similar to a charitable remainder trust, right? Well, it, it's, it's yours individually, but yeah, you're, you're in essence, you're, you're gifting away a stock, but there's some differences with the actual charitable remainder trust. Pete, you have anything you want to add on a donor advised fund from a from an investment perspective? Because these things both kind of work in tandem. Yeah, um, John, you're doing a great job explaining it. Um, I would agree that certainly leading up to the election and particularly since the election, um, the amount of interest, phone calls, emails that I'm getting from clients and, and, and other people with questions about um, ways to reduce taxes, um, and um, get you know different charitable opportunities that they're looking at that has increased dramatically, <clears throat> and I think that's going to continue to increase because of what we mentioned earlier. Uh, certainly, um, I've been saying for way over a decade. John's heard me say it that taxes are going to go up, and I think we're at about the lowest point that we're going to see. Um, and because of the uh, not only the the incredible amount of debt that we've been piling up, which is unsustainable. Uh, the math doesn't support it. Uh, but then you have uh, looming on the horizon, the entitlement programs, um, which haven't really um, impacted us fully yet. So um, when all this comes together, um, um, it's going to be difficult to sustain um, where we've been recently, um, you could say even longer than recently. So uh, uh, that'll trigger a number of things, but higher taxes are, are gonna be the most obvious one. And it's not just income taxes, it's also estate taxes, because we know that estate taxes are one of the easiest taxes to start with because you're taxing the deceased and they don't vote anymore. So that's a pretty easy one. Um, so we anticipate that the, the estate tax ex exemption will be coming down in the, in the future. Can't, can't predict when. Um, that'll depend again. Um, that that could depend on the Senate race um, and and how that goes. So it it could be next year. It could be later. Uh, we don't know, but we do know it's coming uh, one way or the other because that's an easy one. So yeah, um, I'm sorry. So best so a best idea would be to accelerate asset sales into 2020 if you you know can. It's it's kind of late to 
if you have a business to sell a business, but if you have, um, you know, if you can do a Roth IRA conversion, or would you sell assets this year? If you, you know, were thinking about selling an asset, would you sell it this year versus next? Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, if you're, you look with a lot of investments, um, unless you're looking for a stepped up basis at death, um, you're going to sell it anyways. So if, if you know you're going to sell it at some point anyways, whether it be in a year or five years or 10 years, then this is probably a more advantageous time to, to sell it based on what we know, um, because the, the taxes are lower um, and they probably will be higher at some point. They may not be higher next year, the year after, but we know at some point they're going to be higher and the odds of them being lower is pretty slim. Uh, so um, selling them this year is probably not a bad idea. Um, if you're looking for that stepped up basis, since I brought it up, uh, one of the proposals that we've seen in the Biden uh, tax plan and out of the Democratic controlled house is to eliminate or reduce that stepped up basis. So that's something to be concerned about. And that's an obvious yeah. thing. Uh, when you're yeah, that's that's huge. So, uh, what what does that mean? Say I bought a hundred thousand dollars worth of Apple stock, Pete, and now it's worth a million dollars, and so I've gained nine hundred thousand dollars of um, capital gains. What does that mean if they eliminate the the cost basis step up if I die tomorrow? Yeah. So right now, uh, what stepped up basis means that if you pass away. Um, the value of that security, your basis uh, steps up to the value of that security upon the date of your death. So um, in that example, um, if you passed away and it was worth a million dollars, even with a $900,000 gain, and your uh, estate or heirs sold it the next day, there'd be no tax uh, because the basis stepped up uh, to your date of death. If they get rid of that, um, we'll, we'll just use that as a hypothetical, and I'm not certain that they will anytime soon, but there's certainly talk about it, uh, then um, that that uh, basis would not be stepped up and your heirs under that hypothetical scenario would owe that tax the next day if they sold that stock, that, that would still be there. Super, super helpful. I think that's probably the biggest, um, it, one of the biggest potential changes in the uh, Biden tax policy that I noticed. The other one, John, maybe you can speak to this one, is the um, any any capital gains over a million dollars would be recharacterized as at the or highest ordinary income tax rate. So, you know, if you're a private equity professional or a private equity firm and you sell a business for $10 million, 9 million of the 10 is going to be taxed at a 40% tax rate instead of the current 20. So tax rates there would literally double. What do you think about that, John? Do you uh, can you maybe go into a little bit more detail and then what you think the likelihood of that happening? Well, certainly, you know, that, that's, that's certainly for someone who's even a closely, closely held business owner that, that monetizes, you know, their, their blood, sweat and tears. And, and, you know, typically they hope to harvest that at, at a much more favorable capital gains rate of 20%. You know, when you're looking at, in essence, have an ordinary income, all that, it really, you know, when you're walking away with potentially between federal and state, you figure 40% federal and maybe four or 5%, say you're walking away with 55 cents on the dollar of your sales price over a certain threshold, it really makes life, you know, that, that, that exit strategy becomes, you know, certainly not as favorable as under today's tax laws. You don't have that now. So, uh, 
I, you know, as, as we start moving forward, are, is there, is there a likelihood of that? Well, you know, certainly we'll see. I know one, one thing I do know that both sides have looked at is, is, is tinkering with the capital gains rate. Certainly this is, this is beyond tinkering with the capital gains rate. This is, this is kind of blowing it up and saying, here's a whole new realm of taxation. We're going to, you know, you know, shove down your throat, unfortunately. So, uh, you know, from, from, from our perspective, I think what you need to look at, I think what you see, if that really starts to come to fruition, um, you're going to be looking at a lot of folks wanting to, to do a, do a transaction very quickly. Uh, yeah. So, so would you say, John, would you say if you're nearing the finish line of your business and you're wanting to recapitalize it or sell the business, um, you should look at doing that sooner than later. The odds are not, are, are low that that, those policies are going to be affected even in 2021 um, without a blue wave um, where the, the Democrats win everything, then that, that's an opportunity where those policies could be affected a little bit faster. Would you agree with that? I would agree. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so maybe think, be thinking about if you're, if you're close to, you know, taking some chips off the table with your privately held business or, or any, you know, very highly appreciated assets over a million dollars that you may want to consider uh, accelerating those asset sales um, sooner than later. Um, I think one of the things to add, Matt, uh, certainly we've we've talked about the tax side and that's extremely important. And uh, John and I with our clients spend a lot of time um, mentally conditioning for what we believe is going to happen. Some they can act on now, some not until future years, but starting to condition them on that. But something else to keep in mind when you're talking about selling a business is, so we got the tax that you talked about, but we know there's a tremendous amount of money in the system right now. And unfortunately, it's not getting everywhere where it needs to to be. There's a lot of people who need it that aren't getting it. But that aside for a second, there's a lot of money in the system. And for those entrepreneurs and business owners, they'll understand what I'm saying, that as we come out of this next year, and the economy continues to move forward, probably at a pretty decent rate because of all the money in the system and the deficit spending and uh, the uh, historic uh, low interest rates, um, that is generally a good time to sell a business because there's typically more buyers um, and there's more ways to fund that acquisition. So hence, um, over the next few years, um, it could be a very advantageous time to sell um, in getting a better price as opposed to maybe waiting longer when maybe things aren't as advantageous. Fascinating. Fascinating. Um, So best one or two ideas uh, that somebody can do this year um, to to take advantage of the certainty of the tax policies that are in place now, um, you know, where we don't know where the future is, what the future is going to hold. What is one or two things that um, our audience could do this year to, you know, solidify their estate and minimize their tax liability. Well, giftings will minimize the estate, right, John? Uh, What did you say, Pete? I'm sorry. I said gifting will minimize your estate, whether it be to a a charitable organization or to your uh, beneficiaries and heirs. That's always... That's always something that um, most of our clients can't get done in a year or two. It's a it's a multi multi year process because of the way the uh, the uh, gifting laws work. But one thing that uh, John and I um, have been working on for a client, and I can let John talk about it more, 
um, is there's certainly those business owners who have historically been successful that have just had a difficult year. They're in a, they're in a sector, um, they've had a difficult year. And there's a lot of sectors that are having a difficult year. Um, and so their income is down this year. And because their income is down, uh, something they can consider doing is they, they may have money in a 401k uh, where the money's pre-tax still, and they may have a big chunk. So they might think about uh, recharacterizing that, you know, an in-service recharacterization within the 401k uh, and converting that to a Roth uh, so that um, the money would then grow tax-free from that point on, which obviously has its advantages. Um, so you'd have to look at your tax situation. John can talk about that more, but that's one area for our business owners that haven't had a great, as great a year as they have in the past to seriously consider. Yeah, that's great, Pete. And, and as the, the charitable contribution, if tax rates are going to be higher, then, you know, maybe wait until next year, wait until the, the tax, tax rates are higher to do your gifting because the tax benefit of the gift will be greater uh, with a higher tax rate. So uh, that's something to take into consideration with your personal uh, CPA and, and financial planner as well. Um, John, you were gonna say something? Yeah, certainly you know, we are looking at some, some Roth conversions with some of our clients, some business owners that have had you know, years that aren't you know, just been a bad year for them. And, and not only doing it tax-free, but maybe also taking advantage of the lower tax brackets as well. Um, you know, and, and, and really trying, cause you, cause you do that Roth conversion and you keep it intact for five years, all that is tax, that's tax-free money. And you look at, if you do kind of a future calculation of what the value of that is, um, it can be pretty powerful to, to consider for, yeah. for 2020, uh, depending on your situation. Um, I would also echo your comment, Matt, with respect to as you look future in 2021, yes, if rates go up, the deduction is more beneficial. Um, and one area where you've got a lot of folks that are, I always encourage people who are, especially at a point in their lives where they're having to take money out of their IRA to do all the charitable giving with their, with their required minimum distribution from their IRA, because that's an above the line deduction. They have to take the money. They might as well also you know, take care of their charitable needs and charitable wishes with that RMD as well. And you can do up to $100,000 per person per year of your RMD to charities. Tremendous. I love that. That's excellent. And then is the, is the stretch IRA, is that gone away? Because I know there were some strategies that I knew in the financial advisory world where advisors would coach their families to stretch their Roth IRA accounts across multiple generations I think that has been, uh, that loophole has been closed. Can you speak to that, John? Well, on, on traditional IRAs, that, that stretch has been closed to 10 years. Um, you have to take out over 10 years your, your inherited IRA. Yeah, I know that, that disrupted. That's another example. It's a very small example, but you can already see where uh, the federal government's going. They have to raise taxes. Yeah. They have to raise revenue. So they're starting to close loopholes. And so we're gonna see much, much more of that. And that's why uh, we're taking the time to prepare our clients for that. Yeah, there, there's some other, you know, you know the, the, I even saw something yesterday where they may even look at Roth, you know, and I, 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 I hope they don't, they may even look at Roth IRAs and, and may do some things there to maybe, if you, maybe, if you don't do something and, and you may, maybe you're not grandfathered, 
those Roth assets could be taxable at some point down the road. That's been kicked around a little bit, but you know, you just, you got to deal with tax laws as it is today. It's hard to look, you know, my crystal ball's pretty foggy looking forward as to what tax law is going to be in two or three years. You know, yeah. when I started in this business, the top marginal rate was 70%. Wow. Now the top marginal rate's 37%, you know, and it's, it's just changed a lot over the years. So um, it's going to be fascinating to see kind of how all this transpires and, and but having advisors from an investment perspective and a tax perspective that can help folks not only with their income tax situation, but also how to do things charitably to help organizations like Bosman Enterprises and be able to leave a legacy where they actually can direct money to charities that they love and they can enjoy and see things happen uh, with charities that they really enjoy working with. What are one or two things, John, that people, you know, it's probably better to wait until next year. Uh, if, ta- if we know, like, if you're of the, if you're a believer that tax rates are going to go up in the future, then maybe you should do these, you know, wait until after the first of the year to do um, one or two best practices. Well, you know, certainly the, the thing that, that I've been invited, especially clients who are, are very terribly inclined is, and those that are required to take their, their IRA is, you know, you may want to wait to do some of your charitable contributions. Let's do them in January. Uh, take your RMD in January, do your charitable in January, you know, and in essence, kind of catch yourself up a little bit. Uh, that, that's one thing folks are pushing off doing, quite honestly, and I'm advising them those in, in that particular bracket. Um, certainly, you know, if you look at you're pushing income from one year to another, which is for most folks is difficult to do. You may want to look if you got income this year versus next year, if you're seeing higher tax rates, you know, you may want to look at, you know, take a look at your portfolio and talk about, you know, does it make sense to maybe do some selling of securities this year, or maybe if you want to give some securities this year, I mean, you know, we just don't know what exactly next year's tax rates are going to be. I don't see them changing a whole lot, quite honestly. Um, so, so those are things I'm really looking at. We're, we're, we're doing a lot of analysis right now. I'm kind of in one of my busy, my kind of mini busy seasons as, as a CPA is kind of really looking at my clients, you know, uh, and, and what they need to be doing from an income. So everybody's different. I can't, I can't tell you one thing's going to work for everybody. It may be different for other folks. Um, so we, every situation is different. I, I would advise folks that are listening to this, you know, reach out to your advisors, your, your financial advisors, people like Pete that do a great job. Talk about your portfolio, where you're at. Also talk to your tax advisor about, you know, what makes sense from an income tax standpoint. Maybe you want to take advantage, if you've had a bad year, maybe you want to take advantage of these lower tax rates and, and, and take some income in this year. Um, so there's, there, there's no real set cast, so my, but I think you need to look at your situation, make sure you're taking advantage of everything out there. Yeah, that's helpful, John. Pete, you want to add anything to that? Boy, it's, you know, John does such a great job with his clients. Those occasions where we are uh, sharing a client working together is always a pleasure. Um, you know, one thing I would add is it's been a very uh, volatile year in the markets. And um, typically with volatility, that's where we see individuals make mistakes. For some reason, um, we as individuals loves to, love to buy things on sale, um, and in particular this time of year. But the only thing we generally don't like to buy on sale is stocks. Um, we're just wired uh, differently that way. We like to uh, buy stocks when they're hitting new highs and sell them when they're down and on sale. 
So I would tell people to make sure that uh, from an asset allocation risk tolerance standpoint, you know, you need to review that at least once a year or once every other year so that when these uh, volatile events uh, come into play like it did earlier this year, um, you can sleep well knowing that you're invested in the right place because these types of, of volatile events uh, we know happened. A 10% or more drop in the markets happens on average about once a year. A 20% or more drop, which is the end of a bull market or the beginning of the bear market, or end of a bull market, beginning of a bear market, but you want to look at it. Those happen about every four or five years, uh, not the 11 years we just saw that we went through up through March of this year. So um, make sure you're in the right place from a risk tolerance standpoint so you could ride through these periods and don't let your emotions drive your decisions. Awesome advice. Awesome advice that everybody can can take to heart. So um, anything else, John or Pete, that you um, did not cover that you had in your notes that you wanted to share uh, that might be helpful for our viewers? You know, I, I think especially those that, 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 that are looking at their estate, it's a great time to really start kind of thinking what you want to do from a legacy perspective. Um, you know, uh, you know, we kind of kicked around a little bit and, and Arveta mentioned charitable remainder trusts out there. I just want to kind of make sure that's something you ought to, if you have some substantial appreciated securities, it's certainly a great avenue to consider being charitable, but also, you know, being, you know, getting assets out of your estate and, and being able to, 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 to really do some really great things to help an organization, a charitable organization. Um, Pete and I've worked together and Pete does an outstanding job of, of, of really educating his clients on how to invest and where to invest. And, and we had a situation we worked on together. I'll just give you kind of a little, kind of quick little case study. And Pete will know who I'm talking about because we we had a client who had a basis in a security of $3.14 with a fair market value of $80 per share. He had, what, maybe 14,000 shares of that stock. And we took those, uh, we did some estate planning for and got their estate planning attorney together. We all worked as a team. That's one thing we do, we work as a team. You know, we're, we're kind of the board of directors for our clients, if you will. Um, and, and, and in essence, moved that stock into, into a charitable remainder trust, got a present value tax deduction for the, uh, the value of the gift um, Pete was, you know, did an, an outstanding job of redeploying those assets and diversifying them from this one block of stock. And, you know, they, they've, they've been living off the, the, the income off this trust for a number of years. It's out of their estate. And at that, at the point in time when the, when they, they pass away, those assets go to the charitable organization. It's, it's just a great classic estate planning tool. Nothing, ex it's, it's just something that's time tested and works very well. So, you know, if you're if you have a lot of wealth and you're looking at doing some things for an organization like Bosnia Enterprises, this is a great way to kind of do some things and 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 you know, really be a beneficial thing for everybody. Awesome. I, I would agree with what John said. Every charitable remainder trust that I've been involved with um, has been a win-win, and the uh, income and the, uh, the the tax deductions coupled with the income that they get over the years as far exceeded their expectations. So, and then at the end, um, you know, there's, there's a, there's a nice uh, gift uh, for the charity. Uh, so it's, it's truly been uh, one of the uh, best uh, planning tools that I've been fortunate to be involved with. Awesome. 
Awesome. Anything else, John or Pete? Thank you. And, yeah, no. Uh, it's a pleasure to be involved uh, with such a wonderful organization. Yeah, we're, we're very grateful for both of you to share your wisdom and insight and take some time out of the busy season uh, this, this year end. So we are very appreciative. Arveta, how would our viewers um, get involved with Bosma? I would encourage everybody, if you're not familiar with Bosma, to go to Bosma.org. And if you would like, we'd love to have you if you're in the Indianapolis area to come out and see our operation at 65th and I-465. We we have 220 employees that are uh, moving a ton of uh, personal protective equipment, exam gloves, surgical gloves, health kits, et cetera. Uh, and everybody at the Bosma family is, is wonderful. And you walk in and it is a, a happy, happy workplace environment. So we'd love for you to come check it out. If somebody does want to get involved from a philanthropic perspective, Arbetta, how would they go about doing that? Yeah, they can definitely do so by, of course, you know, we always talk about the option of just certainly donating online. So they can go to bosma.org slash donate to donate directly online. Um, you know, we talk about $300 as a part of the CARES Act. Uh, one can give $300 over the course of a year at just $25 a month. And that would pay for four hours of training, you know, or we can talk to them more about some of the more in-depth discussions around charitable gifts as mentioned on this call. And I'm happy to discuss that as well as anyone on the foundation team. And we are physically located at 7223 Woodland Drive, um, which is right down the street from our corporate uh, operations at 65th and uh, Corporate Drive. And you can email Arveta at arvetaj at bosma.org. My man, Ray, how, how can people subscribe to your awesome podcast? You always have uh, intriguing guests on. How do people get on to the Navigating Blindness podcast that you do? Well, definitely, you can make sure that you uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts and on SoundCloud and make sure that you're following us on all social media channels. Uh, we make sure that we post all the podcasts there as well. And I uh, want to thank you, Matt, you know, for moderating the discussion today. Thank Arveta for... Uh, all the work that she does with, and the foundation. I want to thank John and Pete for uh, coming on and uh, sharing their expertise today. So thank you guys for uh, all that you do. Yeah, very, very insightful. Very insightful talk. Uh, if you do have questions, uh, reach out to Arveta. If you'd like more information from John or Pete, we can certainly connect you to them. So again, Arveta is arvetaj at bosma.org. And uh, we'd love to have you get engaged with Bosma closer. Um, and hopefully, hopefully you found this valuable. So with that, you guys have a great holiday season. 